Soulvox Radio presents Evolve with your host, Robin White Turtle Disney. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Disney. The show is Evolve, and welcome to the show. Today, my special guest is Daniel Four. Uh, he is a doctor of psychology and a teacher and practitioner of animism who specializes in ancestral and family healing helping folks learn to relate well to the rest of the natural world. Uh, He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. He practices uh, in earth-honoring traditions, uh, different pagan paths, Native American ways, Mongolian shamanism, West African Ifa and Orisha tradition. And he has a history of two decades implementing the teachings of ancestors, uh, ancestor reverence in his own life. Uh, He's guided hundreds of ancestral trainings, rituals, and he has a new book called Ancestral Medicine, Rituals for Personal and Family Healing, and it's just been published this last summer. So welcome, Daniel. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much. It's good to be here. Great. So uh, I'd like to ask some basic questions first. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your journey writing your new book, Ancestral Medicine? Sure. It's a big question, but I can say that I was not raised with any framework for relating with the ancestors. I'm of German, English, Irish, a colonizer ancestry to Pennsylvania and Ohio, North America. And so I had the good fortune in high school, even as a teenager, to connect with teachers and shamanism and paganism and revival forms of ritual and that helped me early on to have a framework for relating with the other than humans for the plants the animal spirits and then my first teachers in shamanic practice Becky and Crow the church of earth healing uh, did something very helpful for me by encouraging me to honor or connect with my own ancestors of blood and that set me on a journey of focusing there among other things uh, from the late 1990s until until present and through doing a lot of my own genealogy research a lot of my own inner work through therapy and training as a therapist and doctor of psychology and then studying with different indigenous or uh, you know other forms of ritual not always indigenous uh, in orientation um, you know forms of ritual uh, I have pieced together an approach that has worked well me and my own process mm-hmm. for ancestral reconnection and healing uh-huh. and have since 2005 been sharing that with others yeah, that's great that's great so you talk about animism in your bio can you explain a little bit about what that is for those of those of my audience that don't know <laughs> yeah sure animism's a, a little bit of a clunky academic term but i find it uh, accurate as a way to describe a worldview or an approach to reality that says that living human beings are just one kind of person, one kind of relation or relative in a much wider field of relatedness. And these others include the animals, plants, places, ancestors, deities. We described as animists are not going to identify with that, that label, which is totally fine. Most of the world's indigenous cultures have their own language and way of thinking about their values and the way they see the world. But for people like myself of European ancestry, trying to reclaim a framework for relating with the wider field of of people 
mm-hmm. human and otherwise. It's good to have a way of talking about that that doesn't aggravate old uh, trauma and history between indigenous peoples and people of colonizer ancestry like myself. And so uh, animism, I find, is a, a bit more accurate in some ways than the languaging of shamanism, uh-huh. which has come to a bit of baggage, but you know, it, it, that is what it is. And it's important to not describe what I'm doing as indigenous, even though it does draw some inspiration from indigenous values or sensibilities. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anyone can be animist and it's a, a, a core value that uh, emphasizes relationship and extends personhood to the other than human people as well. That's very important. <laughs> very important. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, our, we have to have a, a better relationship with nature, no doubt about it. And, uh, and that's, I think, key to the future for our whole world. So, yep. Yeah. So, okay. So, can, sure. you, can you describe a little bit about who the ancestors are? Are we talking about our blood relatives that are, uh, you know, great great grandparents and great great grandmothers and fathers? And yeah, yeah sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly that. Uh, uh, ancestors can be. I guess, operationally defined in a lot of ways. Uh, Some folks would speak very uh, inclusively of the ancestors to include the other than humans, the trees and wind and the bear spirit, etc. That's very poetic. It's beautiful. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it. It's not my position to say it's not like that. But for me personally, I'm speaking of the ones who have been previously incarnate in human form Mm -hmm. and who dwell in the present. So the ancestors are a community or group or type of being, a type of relation to us that uh, is available for contact in the present and was previously alive in human form. Mm -hmm. And so that can include ancestors of place or of the land that are not related to by blood, but who you are proximal to because of where you live. It can include ancestors of spiritual lineage uh, when people practice traditions not of their blood ancestry, uh, ancestors of vocation, uh, but, but most commonly I support others in working with ancestors of blood and I, that has, they have a lot of influence as I see it. Mm-hmm. And so more narrowly, the ancestors refer to those among the dead who are relatively well and at peace in spirit mm-hmm. in contrast to the ghosts, the not yet ancestors, the troubled dead, uh, the ones who are still in a state of some conflict and have not yet become seated as an ancestor. So mm-hmm. even more narrowly, the ancestors refer not just to the human dead as a whole, but to those among the dead who are already well and safe to relate with in spirit. Uh-huh. Okay. So just dying, just dying doesn't make you an ancestor. Right. It, it's the start of a, a journey, a rite of passage that, if it goes well, results in you becoming an ancestor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's, that's so fascinating because I, I know as a medium myself, I deal a lot with those that have passed and, um, just because someone is an old person doesn't necessarily make them wise. <laughs> I mean, there no are doubt. a lot of yeah, no older doubt. people that are not very wise. <laughs> and um, and their spirits, if they haven't crossed completely over to the other side, they can't take their place or come back or do anything. They just get stuck between worlds. So um, so I'm glad to have you define that a little bit. Um, for, yeah, for sure. So it's... It's yeah. an important, it's a critically important distinction to make for folks in the West who are drawn to ancestral engagement. Uh-huh. That 
just because your people have died doesn't make them safe or beneficial to relate with one way or another. They may be better off than you imagine them to be. They may be worse off. Uh But your ideas about them and their actual condition may or may not align. It's important to check in about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, well, that's great. That's great for people to understand. Um, So I want to ask about how shamanism or animism has helped you and other people heal our relationship with the earth. Is there a... Uh, a way that that's helped helped you I mean because I know we've we uh, you and I have and others have done work up on the mountains here in the Bay Area um, offered gifts and so on and and there's been some amazing results with that I would say <laughs> a different relationship yeah. you know with our own and our own land here um, as well as healing like Mount Uminum like uh, as we have talked about in the past uh, the healing we did in Mount Uminum was pretty exciting. So, well, yeah. Yeah, for, for me personally, it's been a blessing to encounter teachings on the sacred in general and indigenous or animistic teachings on the sacred and on relationship in particular. Mm-hmm. And so the contact with those wisdoms and the attempt to live and embody those values has been completely life-defining for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what... I'm here to do. I'm, I was told years ago by the spirits that, yeah, you're going to help people, not only, but especially Western European ancestor white people to get reconnected with animist values and also their ancestors. And that'll keep you busy for this lifetime. So get to it. <laughs> and, uh, and so for me, it's the focus of my whole life. Yeah. And, um, I believe it's an antidote to the ecological disaster that we're playing out. I believe that coming into relationship with the wider field of spirits, including our well ancestors, mm-hmm. is also an antidote to the racism and sexism and colonialism and just cultural trauma that we continue to inflict on one another. Uh-huh. Because it creates a wider uh, field of awareness and elder consciousness and a kind of vessel or holding mm-hmm. for a lot of that healing to be played out. But mm-hmm. we need systemic change that um, deeply legitimizes the full personhood and history and life experience of, of people of color, or queer people, of women, etc. But and also in addition to that, of the other than humans, of the plant and animal people, and the spirits of places and mountains, rivers, etc. And so when we have a legal and cultural, political discourse that foregrounds the reality, the personhood of these others, then then we can start to get things a little bit more on track. But we're we're, uh, quite a ways away from that at this point. We sure are, yeah. Yeah, and I think people uh, just recognizing that the earth itself is a being and has a living function. I mean, it, it's create. It's a constantly creative for life force that we live on, <laughs> and uh, the the beauty of it is always startling to us. So, uh, yeah, and I, yeah, I people for have, sure. we've lost that relationship. Uh, with a lot of people have lost that relationship. So it's an interesting bridge in what we're talking about: cultural healing and the earth. At least in Yoruba culture, uh, one of the 
senior divinities as Onile, uh, or the earth, the spirit of the earth, seen as both masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. And the earth, among other things, is associated with uh, morality and accountability. Mm -hmm. The senses of the earth is witness to our actions. Mm -hmm. And so we, whether or not we think we want it, on some deep soul level, we want accountability. Mm. It's very intimate. It's very um, connected with the feeling of being held and seen and like swaddled, if you will. Mm. And so to have that accountability might mean that if you've deeply harmed someone, that you're executed or that you die uh, suddenly because you've been so out of balance. Mm. But even so, if you're uh, killed, in a sense, by the spirits, it's a kind of deep intimacy that uh, implies that you haven't been forgotten. Mm-hmm. And so they love you enough to bring you home early to have a little debrief about your behavior. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, yeah, the intimacy with the earth is, uh, it comes with it, it built into that is accountability for our actions mm-hmm. with other humans, with the other than humans, with ourselves, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Um, so, what are some of the messages that you have received from the ancestors? Could you give us an example that can help people understand how they can actually help us? Um, because, you know, a lot of people think once you're dead, you're dead, and that's it. And uh, and there's no connection with those that have passed. But we both know that that's not true, that we we both have experienced those ancestors. But could you give us an example of some way that it helps people, like how what the messages, like a message that sure. you might have gotten or something. You no, know, a, a lot of the messages I might personally get just have to do with my the details of my specific life or my work or whatnot. But I would say, in general, the ancestors have the capacity to help us remember our specific destiny, uh. which is important because a lot of people are haunted by either the longing to remember that or having remembered it the imperative and urgency to fulfill it before they die mm-hmm. and so that is something the ancestors are involved in they also help us to under the so much of who we think we are is not actually individual or separate but is a continuation of intergenerational patterns and legacies and blessings and burdens and stories that repeat and repeat and repeat through different permutations. Uh And so coming into relationship with them is an antidote for isolation that is a result of extreme individualism in the West in a, in a pathological way. Like I have a deep respect for soul level uniqueness and diversity and difference. And so I'm not implying that, we shouldn't honor our uniqueness but when we think we're isolated or separate from others that's that becomes pathological and culturally harmful so the ancestors are an antidote to that as well Mm -hmm. and they are excellent in helping us transform specific intergenerational misery that we're down lineage from in our families Mm -hmm. and to see the older roots of those troubles and to see the blessings that exist before those troubles were set into motion Mm-hmm. Often in the last, you know, 500 to 2,000 years of uh, colonialism, European colonialism, as it's been barfed onto the rest of the world. So, 
Yeah. Barked is a good, good yeah. term for it. Well, or maybe lanced. It's like a really virulent kind of toxin and boil that just yeah. uh, developed for a good thousand years in Europe before the uh, uh, military and seafaring technologies facilitated the exporting of the virus onto the rest of the world. Yeah, I hear you. Well, we're talking with Dr. Daniel Four. Uh, his website is ancestralmedicine.org, and uh, you can go there for more information. We've got lots to talk about. He has trainings. He has all kinds of things that he's doing, and um, uh, we're going to talk more about his book, Ancestral Healing. We'll be right back. And Daniel, thanks for, for interviewing and being a part of the show today. No, thank you. This is Robin White Turtle Listney, and the show is Evolve. Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. Hi, welcome back to the show. This is Robin White Turtle Listening. The show is Evolve, and I'm with Dr. Daniel Four, who's a teacher and practitioner of um, practical animism, and he specializes in ancestral and family healing. Uh, he lear- he helps people uh, learn how to relate better to the natural world. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he's just written a new book called Ancestral Medicine: Rituals for Personal and Family Healing. It's just been published, and uh, we're really excited to talk about it because Daniel's got an enormous background, so uh, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, and um, I wanted to talk a little bit about reincarnation and past lives. Um, uh, I know that you've got a training coming up, sure. and you're going to be talking about that as well. I, I don't know which way you want to go, if you want to talk about the training first or... Um, but I'd like to have you talk a little bit about all of those concepts because, you know, there's a lot of different conflicting conflicts, um, different concepts of the afterlife. And um, when you're dealing with ancestral sure. healing, um, you're dealing with... It's not my intent to bring dogma or rigidity or, you know, a push for a whole specific kind of worldview around it. There are many different nuanced, diverse ways of viewing the relationship between the living and the dead in different cultures around the world. So the core uh, cross-cultural elements that I hold as the foundation for my approach to the work is that there is some continuity of consciousness after death, and that can look more than one way, because what we think of as a soul is often multiple or a combination of different souls, plural. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second thing is that the living and the dead uh, deeply influence one another Mm -hmm. in a way that's unavoidable. And another is that not all the dead are equally well. Some are quite troubled. And among those uh, who are troubled, they can change. They can become more healed over time. Mm -hmm. And finally, communication really is possible between the living and the dead. That can be helpful, harmful, all kinds of ways. But the condition of the dead mirrors that of the living. So... Uh, they run the full spectrum from fantastic to dangerous. Mm-hmm. In terms of 
past lives. Uh, it's not, uh, it's just not a concept I uh, dwell with much or focus on much. So I feel in some ways sort of neutral about it. It's not a topic that any of my indigenous teachers in, in Yoruba culture or, or otherwise have tended to focus on. And um, certainly some aspects of the soul seem to cycle or return. So that's also true. I'm not saying it doesn't seem to happen. And uh, what is important is that we hold a relational attitude toward the ancestors and that we don't have our ancestors appearing to us and, and say to them, oh, this must be a past life. This must be a past life. Because yeah. to say that uh, collapses the relationship a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't allow for the, the dialogue to play out. Um, so I would say that it's good to hold the question, is this a case of encounter between two different beings or is it a case of, uh, you know, a past life experience if folks are inclined to uh, have those types of experiences? Right. I find it really important to, to have that question, like, who is this one coming to our the front of our hearts or, you know, who is appearing now? And, you know, question that first to and then then you can create that dialogue as you as you have said so yeah that's great so yeah for sure yeah so you're you're doing a training so can you tell me a little bit about your training and what you're doing with that uh, because you have a, a couple different things that you're doing in terms of the work that extends from this book ancestral medicine I do yeah, no, so I've recently published a book, Ancestral Medicine, Rituals for Personal Family Healing, and I'm launching quite soon on October 26th, uh, although it's open until November 16th, an online, thorough online training for the first time, really taking a lot of the material that I've taught since 2005 and putting it in an online uh, course format, and so I'm excited about that, and, and there are uh, some scholarship and flexibility, especially for people of indigenous or African ancestry, LGBTQ participants, people with working with historically marginalized populations. And, and so reach out if you're listening and this work draws to you and you'd want to be a part of that. And I'm also training folks in how to guide ancestral repair and healing work for others. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's very exciting. And that's where the work has developed over the last, you know, say 12, 13 years of guiding this mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. So tell us a little bit about the book. So if someone can't come to the training, they can still get an awful lot from your book. You've got so many wonderful um, exercises. Yeah. and I tried to write it as a practical, useful, accessible manual for how to really sink into repair work with the ancestors and have a framework for it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good books that speak a little bit about the ancestors but this book specializes in that specific topic and i tried to write it in a way that's psychologically grounded and culturally mindful of the for example the history of double you know two different genocides with native people and african people that uh, the united states is founded upon or right. just the history of colonialism more generally and of sexism etc so these things need to be uh, named Right. And the ritual process and the healing process, especially with the ancestors. Right, right. Oh, I so agree. Yeah, so you give people um, 
uh, a lot of information in this book. I love how you start in the book uh, talking about your own process and how you came to this and <laughs> how it was like uh, something burning in you that you had to keep going with. Um, and then you move toward how we can all utilize or help that relationship with our ancestors. Uh, uh, with the recent um, disasters in Puerto Rico and the hurricanes and fires in California, can you speak about a little bit about why we need a better relationship with the earth and with the ancestors in particular? Because I think they can be helpful to us uh, to help that relationship with the earth. At least that's my experience. What, what did you want to talk about that a little bit? Are you there? Oops. Yeah, yeah, I am. It's a, it's a big topic, of course, and I don't presume to know uh, all the reasons for the changes on Earth besides that I am a fan of science, which seems quite inclusive that a lot of climate change is driven by human ignorance and mm -hmm. uh, greed and stubbornness. Right. And it's it's sad to see that there are at least 50 species of life going extinct every day. We're living in a, a massive uh, die-off of biological diversity, mm -hmm. specifically because of human stubbornness and ignorance and an unwillingness often to address the underlying injustices and roots of our own, you know, condition. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it's it's very it requires a great deal of uh, patience and um, mm, tenacity and willingness to grieve and willingness to ha to have healthy community and to keep leaning in in order to live in the times that we do. Mm -hmm. And so, what I come back to as being most important is that each of us has a very specific role to play. We don't need to be all things, but we need to do a very good job of being ourselves and bringing our specific destiny and gifts to the world. And so I, I see that as the the remedy and the response to the troubles mm -hmm. is, to, is to be a really excellent version of yourself mm -hmm. so that we can render useful service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, what's happening bigger planetary level it's not that it doesn't matter of course it matters profoundly but therefore what therefore dig in and do an excellent job of fulfilling your own destiny mm -hmm. that's our most useful contribution to it is to really make the question specific what is my role in the bigger mess mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that when you when people get in touch with what they're really here for uh, beyond the conditioning or the family messages, you know, they, your dad wanted you to be a lawyer and that's why you're a lawyer, you know, like to be able to move beyond that into what are we really here for and how can we address the issues that are out there right now? When we listen to that, we come into a kind of harmony with heaven and earth and all beings that then we live that out and, uh, I certainly see you doing that. <laughs> I know that I've had to go through the initiations to do that. So. 
Um, well, I'm I'm trying. Yeah. It's I wish to have as much responsibility as I can safely and effectively manage. Uh-huh. And if you take on something and do an okay job with it, you know because you get more. Yeah. Responsibility. Right. And so that's good. So. You know, we don't want to be too afraid, but also we want to be mindful of our capacities and work together with others who can help us out. Right. Um, once, you, once, once you have the basic view and you're willing to work hard and you have some general sense about your destiny, then you just get very busy uh-huh. um, trying to handle it and to do that in a way that's also like sustainable and joyful and relational. Yeah. But yeah, there's so there's so much work to be done. In some ways, it's like we'll pick up a bucket and start, you know, start in on the fires. Yeah, right, right, because it's it's uh, it's everywhere. Yeah. So, um, could you talk a little bit about ancestors of place um, and how uh, contacting them helps to heal the earth? And and I'm thinking. Of course, our adventures on Mount Umanum where we did some ritual work up there and then they've recreated the whole mountain to be a park and they've cleaned it up. It was a kind of a disaster but um, before that. But uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think ancestors of place relating to the land that we live on has so much food for thought for people that sure, haven't yeah. even thought about it, you know. Of course, yeah, this aspect of the human dead, of course, is going to vary strongly from area to area and person to person. But generally, if we talk about people in the United States, for example, uh, the vast majority of people are not of Native North American blood ancestry. And those lineages, and even those Native folks who, or, or people with a substantial Native ancestry who may not necessarily identify as Native, um, often are living in areas that are not where their uh, tribal history sources from. And so there's a lot of movement or, and um, it's a you know, mostly problematic thing. Of course, there are also good things that come from it, but it means that our ancestors of blood and the ancestors of the land often don't overlap so much. Mm-hmm. And I see the ancestors of place as an important part of the spiritual ecology and really physical ecology, you could say, of any given location. The plants and animals in their journey are often have been impacted in ways that are not totally obvious by the ways that previous generations of humans have lived there. And so how the spirits of the land respond to living humans will be shaped by how the humans before lived with land and Mm, it's important to approach respectfully, especially if your ancestors, let's say uh, if you're a listener and you're European ancestry, um, if your ancestors participated directly or indirectly in colonization of North America, it's important to not be cavalier in how you would respectfully approach the ancestors, the native ancestors of the land where you live. They can be approached respectfully, mm-hmm. but they may or may not want to be in dialogue. Mm-hmm. And if so, they may invite you to, in some way, be a force for healing and goodness with the land. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. which is a way to earn trust with them also is to show up well with your actions to be of service to care well for the land is one way to be in better standing with the ancestors of a, of a place yes yes yeah, yeah but there's there's so much yeah i mean seek to earn their trust but not in an awkward way yeah. seek to do that through doing good works yeah absolutely well, and you, this is part three of your book, so uh, honoring different types of ancestors, ancestors of places, part of uh, the dialogue that you have created in this in this wonderful book. So um, we're going to be right back. Uh, we're going to take a little break. This is Robin White Turtle Listney. The show is Evolve, and I'm with Dr. Daniel Four, who is a teacher and a therapist and uh, uh, really does an amazing work with the ancestors and ancestor medicine, and that's the name of his new book, uh, Ancestral Medicine, Rituals for Personal and Family Healing, uh, and it's by Bear and Company Publishers, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Robin White Turtle Lisney, and I'm glad that you're listening to my show, Evolve. I wanted to let you know about a new book that I have called Mosaic, New and Collected Poems. It's a, a volume of 30 years of poetry uh, that I'm very excited about, and it's being published by Bluebone Books. Uh, in addition to that, I also have Dancing Up the Moon, uh, Living a Sacred Life, uh, more recent books are Heart Path, Heart Path Handbook, and Poems for the Lost Deer. All of these books, uh, the last three books, are published by Blue Bone Books. I'm also an energy medicine practitioner, and I am a psychic and a medium. And I've been a radio host on Evolve for a number of years, about five years, where I interview authors on the cutting ed- edge of change authors who are uh, writing innovative things, authors who are exploring uh, new consciousness and also bringing old traditions back into the current time to help us uh, at this time of uh, the world. And uh, now we'll go back to the show. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Listney. The show is Evolve and we're back with Dr. Daniel Four. Uh, he's a teacher and practitioner of animism who specializes in ancestral and family healing and helps folks learn uh, how to relate well with the rest of the natural world. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he's had a lot of background in different traditions, um, Mongolian shamanism and the Ifa Orisha tradition, Native American traditions and pagan paths. Um, Since 2005, he's guided hundreds of ancestral trainings, rituals, and talks through the U.S. and helped many others reconnect with their family ancestors through personal sessions. His new book, Ancestral Medicine, Rituals for Personal and Family Healing, has just been released by Bear & Company. Welcome back, Daniel. (laughs) It's great to have you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we were just talking about Ancestors of Place. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about the, the second part of your book, which is Healing Lineage and Family Ancestors. Um, and you've got, you know, family research. There's lots of people doing genealogy out there. Um, how does all of that work 
in like talk a little bit about that section of your book because there's so much in it I I'm uh, overwhelmed with how well you've put this together <laughs> yeah that's really the heart of the book and the primary motivation to write it is to share that method which is a relatively safe systematic ritual based approach meaning it's not just psychological although it's psychologically sensible uh, and it's not just cultural although it's cultural culturally mindful of uh, history of injustice um, but it's ultimately ritual work to safely heal up and mend our blood lineage blood lineages no. which can include ancestors who are not yet at peace and so if, if folks hear the show and they're like wow well, my people are deeply abusive and not very well in spirit you could be right about that it could be that they're more well than you realize or it could be that they're actually worse than you think mm -hmm. and the instinct to have a boundary with them is an appropriate instinct and yet along every single one of our bloodlines there are older ancestors who are much older ones often i mean before remembered names before colonialism before migrations uh, voluntary or forced and in coming into relationship with those older ancestors we can partner with them and ask them to about healing along the lineage between us and them and so the whole middle part because the online course is how to safely contact older blood ancestors and invite them to transform and heal what's not yet well in our blood lineages uh-huh uh -huh. and you talk about um a lot about the collective dead as well. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by that? Um, yeah, by that I, I mostly mean just the dead who are not remembered by name and who take on a more of a group consciousness, often the older dead. We have a tendency in the West to think of the ancestors as just recent dead and just individuals. Uh -huh. And I, I feel strongly that it's important to conceptualize of the ancestors as also lineages and groups of like communities among the dead, and also to include the ones who are before remembered names, which for some individuals, maybe just one or two generations, or maybe not even any, if they don't know if their parents are alive or dead. So the experience ritually and I mean, just the experience generally of the dead ideally includes um, whole groups of well, bright, beneficial ancestors, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not just the recent ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating to me because, um, you know, you have to, I know that um, as a medium, you have to discern who you're talking to first right off the bat. <laughs> and and whether, whether they're here to help you or whether they're here to not help you and um, if they can help that's great and if if you can help them that's even better <laughs> so yeah yeah no for sure it's important to show up for, for we we have a moral obligation to family that doesn't end with the death of the body yeah often people unconsciously or unintentionally abandon care for their family members once the body has died and it's not, it's not cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, people aren't doing it out of bad intent. It's just a cultural conditioning that we have. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. 
you talk um, in the last section of this part of part two in your book uh, um, about uh, repairing, uh, doing lineage repair and um, helping, it sounds like helping the whole line get healthier. That's what I'm getting from this. Can you talk a little bit more about that lineage repair? Because I feel that it's really an important thing for people to know that they can actually help their family ancestry through different rituals or through support. Uh, yeah, can you talk a little bit about that repair? Uh, sure. It's something we were speaking to just a moment ago as well. But basically, the connection with the much older ancestors allows for, provides a reference point for the healthy, healed energy along the line. Mm -hmm. And then in asking the older ones to step forward, the ones who are not yet well in spirit gradually get received into the lineage. They oh. become ancestralized or elevated or there's a psychopomp process, how whatever uh, ritual jargon you know might prefer to speak to that. The dead who are not yet well become well. Oh. And in doing that, they are, they stand in their place in lineage and the whole bloodline before any given individual is able to uh, essentially transmit or extend the blessings all the way from ancient times to the recent ones. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to know that, let's say your mother has passed and that she's well with her mother, who's well in spirit, who is connected to your great, your great, great grandmother, mm -hmm. all the way back to the ancient, ancient times, mm -hmm. because in spirit, Time is not so linear. It's not so, uh, yeah, it's not so straightforward. Yeah, yeah. It has more, it's more cyclical than we realize. <laughs> right. And so to heal, to ask the older ones to heal up the ones between you and them, uh, it, it brings about healing, you could say, in the past, but also with us and also in uh, the generations that are already here or coming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, well, um, is there anything, um, I know you give people a lot of exercises in the book uh, to connect with lineage and offer healing. Um, can you share something about what these different exercises, how they can help people? I see that um, there's a cemetery practice with family ancestors, there's rituals to greet the ancestors of place. Uh, soul guidance for remembering the dead, ancestral forgiveness practice. You've got some wonderful exercises in here. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, there's so many different aspects to the thing. It's like if, if I was to write a book that was like, hey, this is how living humans relate with other living humans. Right. Check it out. There's some exercises. You could talk to people. You could play a game with them. You could draw a picture with them. <laughs> it's just like, that's a big topic, man. Like humans relate with other living humans in lots of ways. Yeah. And it's, it's like that with the dead as well. Yeah. And so there are uh, part of the intent of the book is to present uh, lots of different ways that living humans throughout time have related and continue to relate with the ones who are not incarnate right now. Mm -hmm the ones who are in spirit, who we sometimes refer to as the dead, 
but it's misleading because it implies they're not relating. They're just right. the not incarnate right now ones. Right. In ancient Egyptian uh, teachings, apparently, some of the ways in the language of referring to the dead Im implies that they're the ones who are truly alive, mm. that in a sense were the dead, mm -hmm. um, which is great. It's uh, very perspectival. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and we talk... You but, talk yeah, there are so many ways. There, yeah. there are many, many exercises in here. And I see one that really, I really think is fascinating is harmonizing your four primary lineages of your grandparents, your, through your parents to your par grandparents and beyond. And, um, and, and seeing the harmonization of your family lines, um, knowing where energy might get stuck or where the healing needs to take place. is part of what we were talking about before. Um, that particular exercise is in this uh, chapter nine in, in integration with work with living family. And I, I just think it's fascinating to see that healing isn't just our, our work. It's our work plus the work of the entire lineage that we have in any direction. So I, I think that's really important, really important. It's true. We inherit the unresolved burdens and debts of our lineage. Mm -hmm. It's actually really good news. It means we're connected and can potentially be accountable for our people. Yeah, it's a good stance to bring into social justice work and things like that, which I don't think should be just separable from life. Mm -hmm. And so we unavoidably represent our people. Mm -hmm. We can do that gracefully and humbly, or not so much. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, it doesn't really matter if people are adopted or not. I mean, not to say that it doesn't, you know, it matters if you're adopted. I mean, there's huge things that happen because people are adopted um, in terms of what they need to work out. But adoption, uh, you still have your ancestral lineage, your birth lineage, and then you have your adopted family lineage as well. So... Uh, it doesn't necessarily rule out someone who's been adopted. Um, it, it actually could help a lot, uh, the healing of the wounding of being adopted. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I've stepped a lot of folks who are adoptees through this work in the last 12 years, and people tend to report that it helps them to feel more connected and rooted in there's no implication that you're disowning or not valuing your adoptive family as well. And how any given adoptee chooses to relate with their adoptive family is, is up to them mm -hmm. to a large degree. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in terms of how, how much they feel themselves ritually a part of the adoptive family's ancestry. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, we're going to take a little break and come back. We're talking with Dr. Daniel Four, who uh, does uh, has just written a book called Ancestral Medicine, Rituals for Personal and Family Healing, published by Bear and Company. And um, he has studied different traditions and different family lines. He specializes in ancestral and family healing, and we'll be right back. This is Robin White Turtle Disney, and the show is Evolve. Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Disney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change. 
opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Listney, and the show is Evolve, and we're back with Dr. Daniel Four, who's a therapist and an author of the book Ancestral Medicine: Rituals for Personal and Family Healing, by Bear and Company, just published. And uh, we were talking a little bit at the break about your connection to the Yoruba culture. Could you talk a little bit about your African um, lineage, West African Ifa Orisha traditions? Uh, I think that's always fascinating for people. Sure. Yeah, I've been a student of Yoruba culture for you know, some years now, and it's just in the last five or so years that I've really stepped in in earnest uh, through initiatory work, five or six years, I suppose. And I've made four trips in recent years to Nigeria to train with my teacher there, Oluwafalalu uh, Adesanya Awoyade in the Adesanya lineage of Oderemo Ogun State, Nigeria. And so in that sense, I'm an initiate of Ifa, Obatala, Oshun, Egungun, and Oshugbo Society. and and. I don't necessarily lead with the that training in my public teaching. Uh, it could perhaps become more of an element in the future, but mostly I, I'm feeling grateful and humbled to be able to practice and to be welcomed in with traditional Yoruba religion or spirituality. And it's been a and connective, nourishing journey for me in that way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's fascinating, um, and you know they open your they open their arms to you. This white guy that comes from <laughs> that comes from you know, for Midwest, sure. You it, know. It, not all indigenous systems are open to outsiders. Some are decisively closed. Some are provisionally open to a degree, mm-hmm. and some are decisively open, provided mm-hmm. people come well. And, uh, and Yoruba culture happens to be one that's quite open, mm-hmm. at least in West Africa. There are some, not a lot, but some lineages in the Americas who have the feeling that it, uh, the tradition should be limited to people of recent African ancestry. But, you know, with respect to that, it's, it's not how Yoruba people in West Africa view, uh, view that. Mm-hmm. And so I have felt very welcomed. And I have the view that as someone of European ancestry, I have a especially high bar to not mess it up too bad and to be humble and really take the learning to heart. I'm a student also of the language and, oh. and try to try to set a good example. Because mm-hmm. if someone of my ancestry is uh, uh, you know, culturally appropriative or, or uh, operating without a good relationship with my elders, and that reflects especially badly, and it uh, re-aggravates old um, ancestral wounds between uh, European and African peoples. Right. There's been so much damage done. So, with- you know, when we participate in it, mm-hmm. indeed, when we participate in a tradition that's not of our blood ancestry, there's a lot at stake. We, we inevitably represent the particular group we're coming from. Mm-hmm. There's no way around that. And, and so we can represent well or not so much. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I try to do a good job with that. 
Right, right. And there's so much um, misunderstanding because the cultures are so very different. And one is like talking in an, in a level that the other culture sometimes doesn't understand. And I'm talking about Western mindset doesn't always understand the wisdom of an indigenous people uh, because it, they're coming from an entirely different cultural framework. It's true. You know, generally speaking, Western Westerners of whatever blood ancestry, Americans uh, don't, because in Europe, people don't tend to make a big difference between white Americans, black Americans, whatever, mm-hmm. like your Oyimbo, your, your foreigners. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally speaking, if there are some ways that Americans tend to mess it up, it's that people want the training to be quick when it's not quick. It's, it takes years. Mm-hmm. And so there's a slowing down and a dedication to learning that has to occur. And another is uh, a failure to appreciate just how relational everything is Mm -hmm. and how you can't operate solo very well in the tradition you're part of a spiritual family and you need to stay in connection with people Mm -hmm. like i talk not every day but at least four or five times a week uh in some form with my luo in nigeria and Mm -hmm. just hosted them him his wife their eldest daughter here in north carolina for two weeks Mm -hmm. and so um we're we're spiritual family Mm -hmm. like there are elders, but they're also friends. And mm-hmm. so we tend to the relationships and that's, that's good. It's accountability. in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, um, a lot, a lot of people who kind of bop in and out of different traditions with the idea of kind of collecting information, but not really focused on the relationship. They don't understand that you must have the relationship that you don't get, that wisdom or information without the relationship, you know, that's the most, the most important thing. So, uh, I, and it is it, like family. It's true. Yeah. 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 It yeah. is, it is a family gathering. It is a family, uh, work that, that mo- many indigenous people are doing. So. That's right. Yeah. 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 I, I find um, in California especially we have, you know, lots of different spiritualities and lots of different things that can happen here in terms of, you know, your the flavor of the month in terms of your spiritual journey. But uh, that's something that's usually misunderstood a lot by people. If they're just going to collect information, they are going about it the wrong way. So, yeah. Yeah, well, is there anything else you want to share about That's your wonderful true. your wonderful book here? Um, you have uh, lots of, so yeah. much information. I highly recommend it. You've, you've got a great... Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Mostly, mostly I would just emphasize that for people drawn to ritual work or people drawn to cultural healing or to indigenous systems and sensibilities, the focus on work with your blood ancestors can be a good place to start. Uh-huh. It's foundational work that transfers into any intact system. If you're going to go train with indigenous people somewhere and it's work that invites people of whatever background to address historical um, victim, victimizer, you know, historical oppression and helps us to get more specifically situated in ongoing injustices 
and it's work that helps us to get as well as is possible with living family, mm-hmm. which is important in most any indigenous system I've ever heard of, is mm-hmm. to care well for your family. Right. So focusing on the mystery of the human debt or the ancestors is um, a good way to multitask in your path, mm-hmm. to do some inner work, lay a foundation for engagement with intact systems, and participate in some cultural mending and healing as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's, those are some things I love about it. And, and I would just say to people, be hopeful that even if your family is a mess, and you had a traumatic childhood that sucked and still sucks, that there are blessings and goodness to be had nonetheless with your more ancient ancestors, that it hasn't always been a mess. Right, right, right. Well, and um, I think the trainings that you're doing and um, the online training and also the the, uh, professional training you're doing, I think is going to help people bridge a lot of the gaps in our family wounding uh, that's really collective family wounding I mean it happens to all of us so um, yeah. so people can find more on your website ancestralmedicine.org and there's lots of information there and um, your book's available now um, Ancestral Medicine Rituals for Personal and Family Healing so Daniel thank you so much for being a part of this show and um, I'm so glad to share your work <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Robin. It's good to it's good to talk. Okay, great. This is Robin White Turtle Listney. The show is Evolve, and uh, I've been with Dr. Daniel Four, who is a teacher of animism and specialized practitioner of animism and specializes in ancestral and family healing. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he guides others and uh, teaches earth honoring traditions. Uh, His new book um, is Ancestral Medicine, Rituals for Personal and Family Healing. Thank you, Daniel, and great to talk to you. This is Robin White Turtle Lisney, and the show is Evolve. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time for Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lisney, Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m.